Good morning, LL Nation. What's good with it? Back in this piece. Seemed like we just left. Back again. Today's show is dedicated once again to the strengths and concerns going into the Fiesta Bowl for Notre Dame. As always, we're brought to you and featuring Anora Whiskey. Go to anorawhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey, anorawhiskey.com. You need something to sip on for New Year's. Go over That's there right. to whiskey.com, get you some of that smooth premium American whiskey. The smoothest. So, the smoothest. I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mike's. That guy, the original lucky lefty himself, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. Name of today's show is Tipping Points, right? What's the what are the tipping points in this matchup going into the Fiesta Bowl? We're gonna hear from offensive coordinator Tommy Reeves. Also going to hear from uh, All-American tight end Michael Mayer. And we might replay some of Marcus Freeman's press conference just to reiterate some things we talked about. We love and thank everyone that has supported, subscribe, continue to watch, continue to share. Don't forget, hit that like button. More importantly, hit the like button right now if you're watching. So yesterday we, we were accused of something. You know, I love accused of. I love interacting with fans after the show, especially in the comments. And uh, we were accused of uh, being the leaders of the Marcus Freeman hype train. <laughs> so, you know, we we were talking. We we're like, cool. It's another T-shirt. Another T-shirt. Leaders you got of the a whole collection now. Yeah, leaders of the hype train. That's us. We're cool with it. Definitely cool with it, especially, you know, with all the moves he's making, he's backing our, our talk up. So continue to keep making great headlines and Oscar nominating speeches when you up there, man. It's gonna be a great, a great year for you. Absolutely. This was the this was the sad part though. Uh this individual who's not even worthy of being named, in my opinion. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> um said name. Uh, one black head coach that's ever done anything in college football. So that's that's the direction they were coming from. And so, you know, I politely had to mention some of the greats, especially before integration. And then uh, jokingly at the end being petty, so you can put me on the petty train today. I said, did you like the first six years? The first five years, not not the first six, but the first five years of Brian Kelly's tenure, when that black coach at Stanford was banging on him. Every day. David so, Shaw, getting right. So, I mean, hey, you know, I had to be petty just a little bit. That's right. But today we're all about the positivity, man. You know what? Give me... We're going to go through it. We're going to talk about running backs, offense, defense, running backs, wide receivers, defensive backs, and linebackers. Pretty much each position group. Give me your concern, level of concern, with the Notre Dame quarterbacks going into this matchup against Oklahoma State. Scale I'm like a so I'm like at a four or five. Hmm. Uh, just seeing what we look like without 
Kyron Williams and who is Jack Cohn's uh, safety blanket, knowing they'll probably uh, double some Michael Mayer. Uh, but, you know, it's, an, it's a chance to it's go in two directions. Is Tommy going to take hold and grasp of the total offense and using more of our talent, especially with our big major uh, major piece missing? Is he going to be able to get everybody else involved and still produce points with a quarterback that is very capable in this game with Jack Cohn? Yeah. How much of Tyler Buckner are we going to see and how prepared is he? has he been getting during these 15 practices? And so the quarterback situation is definitely a four. It's not a anything higher than a five because I feel like we should win the game. I think we're more talented than this team going in. But missing 23 and 14 is going to be interesting. And now we're missing Josh Love with a guy, Blake Fisher, filling in. So that O-line protecting Jack Cohn in this game, I think it'll be uh, – a tough start just filling them out. They may get a sack or two early, but hopefully the game plan is uh, similar to like the Patriots. We're able to give Jack opportunities to get some screens in there, get some handoffs, mm-hmm. take the pressure off of him. Don't put him in third and long situations. And I think we'll be good. But right now it's just a four or five. Four or five. So let's go right to perfect segue. What you were talking about, Blake Fisher indeed will be starting at right tackle for Josh Love. And for those of you who missed it on yesterday, Marcus Freeman did discuss that in his press conference, what happened with Josh Lug and the prognosis and uh, what happened as far as uh, medically, how they took care of that. We're in an 11-on-11 situation, and he kind of just planned it the wrong way. It was a it is a, a minor um, meniscus tear, but he's had it for a while. And I think when he planted it, kind of flipped the meniscus a little bit more where you know what we said hey we're gonna have to get this thing fixed right away and so he's had it throughout the season and he's been able to fight through it and then I think just when he planted the wrong way I think a part of that meniscus flipped up and they had to go and clean it right away man that just made my knee hurt just flipped up huh that's that's football that's you know that's a dude that played football when you talk about the meniscus like that like oh it just flipped up man that's painful I'm sorry (laughs) I think you muted. You know, that's a great way to explain Marcus Freeman's the, the most truthful college football coach in America. So right now, you know, describing that as a football player, uh, it's, it's a little calming considering he's not giving it too many dramatics. He's kind of downplay it, but it's definitely a serious enough injury yeah. to where you can kind of picture being a little uncomfortable, especially for a guy weighing over 275. So with that being said, your level of concern Blake Fisher, talented, talented. As a true freshman, to be identified as being able to start at left tackle from game one, uh, Ronnie Stanley didn't even do that. I mean, there's been some left tackles at Notre Dame that never did that, never started from game one. So for, to identify him to be able to do that, and then coming back after injury, his first game in a bowl game, the intensity will probably be a little bit higher than it was down at Dope Walker State, Dope Campbell Stadium. Adult Walker Stadium, I'm sorry. Um, what's your level of concern with Blake Fisher specifically and the offensive line going into this game? Well, Blake's very talented. So I think early on, I think a lot of what I would be concerned from like a like a eight or a nine is more like a 
five or six for Blake Fisher because he's so talented. Uh, the injury makes it a four or five because if it wasn't an injury, I'd really say a two or three. Mm. So just coming back from an injury, it's a four or five just to test the waters. He hasn't had live action on his knee like he has or will have in the game. And he's going against some savvy players on that front four. So he's going to see some things that's going to uh, introduce him early into the game, you know, but it's it's the type of experience we talked about yesterday is what he's going to need going into the spring to gauge himself, not only coming back from injury, but getting more of that college experience heading into a, the next year where he's going to be even more dependent on. So I do think that it's a four or five for Blake Fisher, uh, for myself, I believe because he's so talented to be able to start the first game out and to have so much fanfare behind him and him doing well in that game up until the point of him getting hurt, I feel like his talent is going to take over as the game gets grows on and on. So he's going to be able to find a way to lean on the guys around him and, and really just let himself play through the game. I don't think it's going to be too big of a moment for him. As an offensive line in general, I think as long as we got our center, uh, Jared Allen really just holding it down. And this is what he's – I mean, Jared Patterson, Jared Patterson, this is what he's made for, you know, being able to pull these guys together in a situation like this where we're at that point where we're trying to cross over as well and yeah. from being an average O-line to being a more dominant O-line. And then I think so for a concern for O-line is about a four or five. I think we are presenting a great challenge with this Oklahoma State front seven. Uh, but I think Tommy Reese is going to be able to put these guys in position where it's not just going to be them defending guys, pinning their ears back. I think we're going to keep them off balance. We're going to try to get them uh, caught in some different stunts, maybe with some run, the run game and that running back core. Yeah. I think they're going to feel a lot more comfortable blocking for that running back stable uh, as the game goes on as well, I think our sh- overall team uh, strength on the offensive line will wear on those guys by the fourth quarter, and we should be fine. Yeah, you have two freshmen on the edges protecting the quarterback, man. That's that's really unheard of, but the success of it, for it to be successful in the bowl game would be a great story, and coming from O-line U, it would make sense. Like, man. What program can go into a bowl game with two freshmen at tackle and get the job done? O-line, you can. Yeah, and I and I definitely think they're more prepared than the average freshman O-lineman. You oh, know, fact. so they're and fact. more talented. You know, we're recruiting top guys every year in the country at O-line. So it's not like this is a, a guy's first time uh playing football out there that we're concerned that he may not be ready you know so this is something where it's more like how we look at a pro coming back in the mm-hmm. nfl after an injury where it's like he's gonna pick off from where he left off probably get a couple of drives to get back in the, into the swing of things but overall he'll be all right level of concern connected with that you talked about the stunts blitz pickup level of concern in totality with the running back situation without Kyron Williams going into this bowl game? I think pass protection, I'm probably at a seven or eight, mm. just because even if they understand, you got to be able to react uh, based off of how it goes in the game, which is something you can't really practice. 
So I think it's going to be interesting considering they have an experienced defense of a unit and they're going to show us some different looks that they probably practice specifically for the game plan. Yeah. So I know that, and, and I know they're going to blitz considering they know that we're not, we don't have Kyron. So I think they're going to present a challenge for us in the pass protection because you know Jack's not going to be uh, Lamar Jackson in his way through the defense. So I think the onus on the running backs knowing their responsibilities in the pass game are going to be crucial, but it is a one of the bigger concerns I have for the team in going through this game. This is where the steadiness of Jack Cohn comes in, right? When yeah. you have that concern, him being able to properly align the running backs recognize where the blitz is coming from pre-snap and then of course him working in tandem with jared patterson to be able to slide the offensive line in the right direction it's going to be very key i mean that to have that center and quarterback combination regardless of what's going on around you at the tackles and at the running back it kind of eases your concerns a little bit having those two guys because jack cone has jack cone has worked himself into a position to make uh, a roster in the NFL as an unsigned free agent. I really believe that. And I believe he can stick. I really do. Yeah, Jack's definitely going to find his way on the team. You know, uh, he's got the personality. He's not a guy that's going to threaten the, the number one guy oh. and where you're going to be like, oh, he's going to be a problem. So, But he can he's make a lot find, of money, though. Back up with a can, lot of money. <laughs> He's definitely fit the profile of a guy that's gonna make some good money in the league, mm-hmm. at least for, at least a good retirement pension. Being able to just be a good team guy, you know, it's not about him. He's gonna know what he's gonna gonna have to do, and he can survive the game and put him in there. So, uh, I think for him, this is one of his biggest opportunities to really take hold of this game and put it on the team on his back. Uh, he's got enough young guys that are looking up towards him in this game for uh, for direction and leadership to where I think he'll find himself in a comfortable position in this game where I don't think the moment will get too big for him to where he feels like he's dealing with a lot of young guys out there. Yeah, just thinking back, man, I'm mixing up my awards and my stadiums. It's Dope Campbell, Dope Walker's the award. I had to laugh about that. I saw somebody say it in the chat saying they remembered it from playing NCAA football, which is funny because I know most of the fight songs in college football from playing NCAA football. Straight up. By the way, shout out to everybody giving love to the interview with Jerron Jones, former uh, Notre Dame defensive tackle yesterday. Great interview. You can go and watch it on uh, our Lucky Lucky YouTube page. Mm -hmm. It was a fantastic interview. Great insight into the program. Uh, especially him uh, regretting not let let not letting Harry Houston yeah, four years. He felt like, yo, it just talks about the impact of Harry Houston when you have a defensive tackle in Notre Dame saying, yeah, I think I made the wrong choice not being coached by Harry Houston and also right. working uh, my way to the NFL via offensive line. You know what? Michael Mayer and the wide receiver court. I want to get your level of concern for them, but I want to uh, go to Michael Mayer at the press conference. And Michael Mayer was talking about the impact that the, that um, these practices and the way they've been going. 
he feels like they're going to have an impact on the game, uh, especially early on. Number one, it's been the practices. The, the practices have been more upbeat, uh, more up-tempo, um, a, a little bit more against our own defense. And um, for me, I think it's been great. It's got me better in shape. I think the team can agree. Um, it's a little bit more competitive, um, a little bit more energy in the on the field. And I think that's something that's been great for this team. And I think it'll show this weekend. So once again, just just competing on a daily basis. I mean, this is the third player that said he feels like he's breaking a sweat that he didn't break a sweat in most practices. And he feels like he's in better shape going into the new year than he was in the middle of the season. That 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 bodes well. Yeah, and I think that's important too for a guy like Michael Mayer to still feel that competitiveness as well as being in shape. You know, it's not easy being double teamed throughout the entire game as well as playing tight end for Notre Dame. So that that in shape thing was a key for me when I heard him say it because now I know that fourth quarter him and Jack are going to be hooking up and linking up at the right times yeah. to convert on something that we'll probably need by that time in the game. Yeah, so, of course, he is the main target, especially with Kyron Williams being out. I'm pretty sure that the defense of uh, coaches and also the defense of the Cowboys will be looking to take Michael Mayer away from Jack Cohn, especially as a first read or a second read. So they give that defensive line time to get to the quarterback. Michael Mayer anticipates being double teamed, and he gave his thoughts on that. Going into the game, I think my mindset never changes. Even if I know they're going to double team me, I'm always still going to try to get open. Um, I think Jack's still kind of trying to always find me with the ball. Um, but if they're going to double team me, that's one less person that's going to be, you know, on somebody else. So if it opens some other people up, then that's perfect. Um, I mean, it's, it's all about winning at this point. Uh, one more game left of the season. So if they want to double me, that's, that's fine. Um, I'll still try to get open. I'll still try to get the ball, but it'll open some other people up. Yo, that's the most important thing. The others. See, that's what I want to get at. When we start talking about the pass catchers. And your level of concern, or if this is the, I think it might be the biggest strength going into this game, honestly, especially looking at the secondary and the way Oklahoma State plays. A lot of yak to be made out there if you hit, hit receivers on the run. It's a lot of yak to be made. The tight ends for the Baylor Bears had a field day against this defense. I have to remind you, and we're not talking about tight ends that are equal to Michael Mayer in talent. That's right. Athleticism. And they had a field day against this defense. So if they're going to try and take away Michael Mayer, it's a lot of speed at the wide receiver position that can get loose in the middle of that zone or even when they go man-to-man. And this is exactly what we were talking about earlier in terms of it's going more on Tommy the more and more we think about it because this is not something that we're not used to. They've been doubling Michael Mayer all season. And we've been frustrated with the other guys not being involved as much. So this is no different than any other point we were in the season. If anything, I would compare it more to Cincinnati and saying, okay, these are comparable guys that can do a good enough job to distract us from Michael Merritt where he's a better decoy mm. in some situations. So who are you game planning for to get the ball to outside of Michael Merritt? And that's the strategy that, is going to be important because we know, just like he knows, that they're going to double him. We're still going to try for him, but with no Avery Davis, no Kyron Williams, and Kevin Austin really being a a primary on the outside, 
what are you calling for those guys in the in-between hashes and guys that catch the ball on the run and who's going to be those guys you're looking towards? Because missing two guys with an Avery Davis and uh, a Kyron Williams on offense is a little different considering, all right, are you going to put the ball in Styles' hand and catch it more than, what, five or six times in a game? That's way more than he's had all season, but that's something he's going to have to be called on potentially in this game alone. So the attention they pay to Michael Mayer is going to open up. Now, this is the thing, because we probably think it's Kevin Austin and Michael Mayer, one-two in progressions for most plays, right, going to this game mm-hmm. in the past game. they have, I don't think they have anybody, especially if he's going to continue to work on the inside. I think Lorenzo Styles Jr. can have a humongous game. Humongous. And that's what it is. Yeah, that, and that he's going to have – I'm being, you know, light by saying six or seven, but he can have up to eight or nine catches or at least 10 or 12 touches in a game where they don't have a matchup for him, in my opinion, specifically. Yeah. And this is something where Tommy has to progress as an offensive coordinator and be like, okay, let's just say they take away Michael Mann. Kevin Austin, I don't want to do one-on-ones all day on the outside. We got to throw some reverse. We got to get some quick stuff to the inside guys with Styles and Brady Lindsey maybe. Use some running backs in there, you know. So this will be interesting to see how he calls it. Now, when he did call it against Clemson, he put together a great game plan in my opinion. I think we fell short on talent when it came down to executing when we needed to. Mm-hmm. But from a game plan standpoint, I thought it was called well enough to if we had the guys we can go and make it a tougher game than what it was. So we talk about Lorenzo Styles Jr., but the man that's left out is Braden Lindsey. That, that's that's your game breaker. Now, granted, Braden dropped a lot of touchdowns early in the season. Yeah. Two or three games consecutively, like he was behind the defense, ball right in his hands, or just dropped it. But he is such a game-breaker with his speed, and I think he's become much better at the wide receiver position as a technician running routes. He can be a weapon as well, just getting the ball in his hands on screens, jet sweeps, or whatever. I mean, it's a lot. I'm very interested in in what Tommy Reed shows as far as window dressing to give Oklahoma State a lot to look at pre-snap and even, like, during the snap. Yeah, he's definitely going to have to do that considering this is a team that's experienced, so there's not too many things they haven't seen. But you just need to be able to slow them down when they do decide to bring the house Mm -hmm. or give them something to think about when you're trying to get some runs off with younger guys, trying to get the holes a little bit more open. So it's going to be important to use a guy like that. Also, with a guy like Braden Lindsey, he's had to become more of a technician because he hadn't had the quarterbacks necessarily either to be pushing the ball down the field where he's most comfortable at. So it's going sometimes not always uh the receiver, it just could be the chemistry. You know, you think of Odell and Baker. Yeah. Separately they're they're good, but together they just didn't work as well. That's not diminishing either one of their talents, but together it just may not have been the best fit, like a Deshaun Watson and a DeAndre Hopkins situation. So maybe uh, you know, with a Dante or a Nico 
that relationship could be stronger to where they get the ball to him in spots that he likes. So this is something where Brady Lindsey's game is a, he's only a threat as much as he's involved in offense. And so I think Tommy's going to do a great job. Like I said, he's got a, a lot more onuses on him because in that receiver room, we do have the ability to create mismatches against this team, even though they are good. It's just how we use them and execute and put guys in positions where they like basketball, where they like to catch and shoot. Now, this defense of Oklahoma State is – we talked about this, I think, Monday in our episode. We compared the defenses. A lot of people are saying that this would be the toughest defense that Notre Dame faces all season. And I kind of pushed back on that a little bit because I just felt like, you know, the continuity and the consistency of Jim Leonard – and that Wisconsin defense, and I just think the linebackers at Wisconsin are far more athletic and more yeah. talented than these linebackers. The defensive line, you can give the edge to Oklahoma State over Wisconsin. But the front seven in totality and having Jim Leonard as the defensive coordinator, that just changed everything for me because if you look at all of the uh, DFEIs and everything, uh, all the analytics of it, they're two and three. Like Oklahoma State is number two in certain categories. Wisconsin's number two in certain categories. But for me, Jim Leonard pushes everything over the top. And don't forget, Jim Knowles is in Columbus. So they don't have Jim Knowles giving the defensive calls for this game. So I think Wisconsin was a tougher matchup. And the reason I'm mentioning that, I remember post-game, Brian Kelly was very honest about them not wanting to try and run the ball against that front seven because of how good the linebackers were and how good the defensive line was. And they didn't want to waste time trying to run the ball. They wanted to spread them out and throw the ball, which led to Jack, you know, taking hits and being sacked early on. And the offensive line wasn't as good as it is now or wasn't as settled, especially at the tackle position. So with all of that being said, Stout defensive line. Brian Kelly isn't over Tommy Reed's shoulder anymore. So going into this game, is Tommy Reed saying, man, you know what? We're more talented outside. We're more talented and more athletic with our receivers and our tight ends. Let's just get our athletes into space and spread it out, spread them out, open it up. Or do you think, as you said before, there needs to be a commitment to running the ball to be able to soften them up for later in the game. Well, we, Aaron, I think we should do a combination of both, but I think we do need to establish running the football early. Mm-hmm. I think if we get out there and try to spread them out and 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 pass all day on them, I don't think that's Jack, Jack's game that can win us the game necessarily. I think he's more in the position of making crucial drives as opposed to just coming out firing on all cylinders. I think it takes a team effort around Jack for him to um, stay in that pocket of, of not giving the game away. You know, he does have times where he can drop back and you'd be like, oh, no, and he'd throw it right to the other team. I think that's what Oklahoma State would want us to do, to go away from the run game and not even commit to it because it plays better in their hands, because then that's where we get the exotic blitzes. That's where we get the ears pinned back. That's where we get the long third downs to convert. And without having a Kyron Williams in that pass protection, 
I don't think we want to live in that third and eight plus range on yeah. most of our drives. Not saying that we couldn't get it, but that's not what we want to have our most success. So I do think that you don't want to do anything Jack's not comfortable with because he's not an off script type of guy. Yeah. So being on brand is probably the best thing for Jack. And even in the Wisconsin game, you know, he was getting pretty jacked up. You know, he ain't even finished that game, you know. Yeah. So that's not something where I would want to have a repeat of. So if I had to learn from the Wisconsin game, I would commit a little bit more to the run. I'm not saying they got to run. You got to have more than three rushing yards, you know. So if we can have more than three rushing yards, I think we can keep Jack healthy. Yeah. And, and also more dangerous uh, later in the game where he's really crucial. I don't think he's the first half champion that maybe I would like to see. And maybe that's where Tyler Bunder can come in and and maybe rip off some explosive plays in the first half. Yeah. But I'm much more of a Jack fan in the second half where it's getting gritty. He can use his experience and he doesn't have to force it because the game is close and he can win it in a close game. Yo, Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mics. Malik Zaire, the original Lucky Lefty himself at Overtime Malik. We are discussing biggest trends and biggest concerns with Notre Dame heading into the Fiesta Bowl. You know what? You just said something that, that kind of took me back. You know, I was a backpacker, right, bro? Mm-hmm. Like growing up, I was a backpacker. And, you know, every now and then I would spit my rhymes. I would tag, do some things. I used to like the break dance too, right? So when I got to high school, you know, here in Chicago, Chicago is really big on basement parties, right? Okay. Like, you know, because a lot of you know, a lot of people don't know, especially down south, people down south, they usually don't have basements in their homes. Yeah. In certain areas. Here in Chicago, everybody pretty much has a basement. And basement parties were huge growing huge up. And hot. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, ooh, I held up the wall at basement parties, man. <laughs> I, I really did. I, I held yeah. up the wall at basement parties because in basement parties, the dance floor is like very limited and crowded. Mm. You know what I mean? And, you know, I was a creative, so it wasn't like I was about to go into a crowded dance floor and start like doing the helicopter and doing all the stuff I can do. That yeah, because they, the they had to pay you for that. Right, right, right. And that, and that to me, that's Jack Cone and his Notre Dame offense. Like, that's right. If it's, a, if it's a crowded dance floor, if it's a crowded backfield, they can't catch the rhythm, you because know, no. it's a rhythmic offense. You know, that's right. Yeah. Drop back, get it out on rhythm. Read, pre-snap, look, 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 get the ball out of his hands. And when a dance floor, when the pass rush and the offensive line and running backs aren't doing their job, and that dance floor gets crowded, man, Jack Cone can't catch his rhythm. And it seems like the offense gets boring because it seems like, yeah, they're the dudes holding up the wall at the party. And for me, you know, that's the task for Tommy Reeves. Like, man, how do you keep the dance floor clear? How do you keep it clean so it's inviting for Jack Cone and it's inviting for the success, you know, of this offense in the Fiesta Bowl? That's going to be the biggest challenge. Now, if you took me to, like, you know, the sock cops in the big gyms, and I had room to where everybody could be over here dancing and the creatives could be over here doing their thing. I was rocking out. That's right. Did my thing. Yeah, because I wasn't a big slow dance dude at the uh, end of the party. You know, I had my numbers in my pocket by the end and I was gone. You that's know, right. That's right. 
know, you know, I grew into into that, you know, but it's like, yeah, man, you know, it wasn't until college where I was like, okay, now I'm comfortable That's on right. the crowd floor. Like I, I know how to maneuver. But when I was young, I couldn't. So for me, that's how I correlate to Notre Dame and this offense going on. Oklahoma State is going to try to break up the rhythm. That's right. They're going to try and, to make the dance floor very crowded for Jack Cohn. And we already know Jack Cohn has two left feet. It's not like he already – it doesn't have too much rhythm back there in that pocket to be able to move left, right, or up in the pocket. So we need to make sure the dance floor is clean for Jack Cohn and these wide receivers. And that's right. I even take it a step further. Tommy's the DJ. So it really needs to be Tommy playing the right, right songs. Right, keep right. it on that Elvis Presley, that Rick Roll, mm-hmm. some of that, some of that good Phil Collins. So you can allow Jack to get his rhythm. If he start playing that DMX and Snoop Dogg in the club yeah. and Jack's caught on the dance floor, it's gonna be people bumping into him, stepping on his feet. You know, trying to get him hyped up in the circle, and it'll be bad. You know, right. he won't come out with, with, with no numbers or nothing. So it's important that him and the DJ are on the same page. If you're about to play some BMX or some 2 chains, he can give Jack the signal to be like, hey, hey, it's time to head on out. You know, right. protect yourself. Let everybody else get involved, right? Let right. let Kevin Austin get this one or, or let Logan Diggs get this one. You ain't got to dance with all the girlies. You know, save the save the right songs for you. So I think that's just what it comes down to. Let let Jack get his right songs, and when he and when it's not his turn, you know, tell him to hold up the wall a little bit. You know, let some other people go up in there. So I think that's that's a great way to put it, and that's just what we got to do. Stay on brand. Don't don't let the don't let the <laughs> don't let the excitement of the club, you know, get you wanting to play out of character and and, and looking crazy. Yeah, and, and with a little bit more excitement, it's nothing wrong because people hear this and automatically they think about three yards in a cloud of dust. Play to your defense. Play to your strength with this offense. That means jump out early, get points, and unleash that defensive line on Spencer Sanders. You know, because the talk is all – the talk around this game has been Oklahoma State's defensive front. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's not the only dominant defensive front in this game. I don't think Oklahoma State has seen a defense like they're about to see in the Fiesta Bowl. Like, nobody's talking about that. We've seen stout defenses. We've seen Cincinnati. We've seen Wisconsin. You tell me the defense Oklahoma State has seen that's equal to what they're about to see in the Fiesta Bowl. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I don't think they've and seen I think, and, I, and, and it's underrated because people – are so used to seeing Oklahoma State against other Big 12 teams where they're throwing the ball over the lot. They're doing everything they want. They're averaging 700 yards a game. But that's not what we're used to doing, number one on defense. So it's going to be a shock for a lot of Oklahoma State fans when it's 10 points in the first half possibly where they're like, why are we not – you know, running all these bubble screens and all this easy stuff we usually do to just – play run and shoot. So this is going to be a different uh, – I think Oklahoma State's offense should anticipate this being a different style of game Yeah. because, you know, Wisconsin is a more of an on-brand for us than our Oklahoma State. So we're expecting to slug it out, 
Mm-hmm. We're expecting to be a little slow, low scoring. We're good at games like that. With Oklahoma State, they're going to be playing our style of football unless we, you know, playing the dance to the wrong songs. So it's going to be important for us in controlling the game to make sure they understand that they're going to have to be able to offensively not get too caught up in what they love to do because we're going to yeah. be able to make that real challenging for them. Facts. So let us know, LL Nation, what's your biggest concern? We want to know, what's your biggest concern or your biggest area of strength and confidence heading into the Fiesta Bowl? Let us know, your biggest area of concern or the strength that you'll be holding on to going into and you feel confident about as we watch the Fiesta Bowl on January 1st. Let's go to the other side of the ball, my guy. Oh, before we get there, I did you talk about the DJ? Here's the DJ himself. Tommy Reeves uh, talking about Oklahoma State and anticipating them taking away or trying to double team Michael Mayer. You know, I think the biggest focus for them will probably be third down. You know, how do we get a couple, you know, people around him on third down? I mean, they, the kid at Iowa State, they literally put two guys on him and said, hey, we're going to take him away. And, you know, you saw that if you watch the NFL, that you saw that against the Packers a couple weeks ago. And, you know, clearly third down, critical downs, maybe red zone, that will be part of what they want to do. Um, you know, there's a lot of unknowns right now with their defense, you know, obviously with the change um, in coordinator and extra time to prepare and what they want to do. Um, you know, we got to be multiple in how we use Michael and, and make sure that we um, don't become stagnant with where we want to play him and, and find ways to create opportunities. And look, if they want to double him, um, that usually means we got a favorable matchup somewhere else. Let me let me let me translate that poker face. See, you, you, we we went in between the lines of what Marcus Freeman said yesterday, when you know he was like, they play really hard. They just played. You know, I watched the film and they play really hard. And we were like, ooh, Marcus Freeman, you're confident going to this game, right? Tommy Reeves, right there. He was being really smug. He was being real smug at the end of that comment right there. Because Tommy was like, I mean, if that's what they want to do, I mean, if they want to double them, go ahead. Like, I got some I got some tricks up my sleeve for that. Like, we see that every week. Yeah. Like, that's nothing new. Every week somebody tries to double-team Michael Mayer. Number one, that doesn't stop him from producing. And number two, I got these dudes. I got that's these youngsters. Right. I got these dudes that can run by you. So go ahead. Go ahead, you pick your poison. Go ahead, double team them. And you can, and you can tell Tommy is pretty prepared or comfortable in, in, in understanding the defensive probability for their scheme, just because that's what everybody would should do in going against our offense. I think because of that, he's already thought in his mind kind of how he sees the game playing out from who he's looking to get the ball to. I think Styles is a part of that. Uh, we've talked about that, but I also think, too, that, you know, with that being said, how are we still going to attack this team and and still be able to put points on the board? I think, if anything, this is where I believe having a quarterback coach could come in very handy in situations like these because this is a big game, and it's a big game plan to execute and, and scheming a game like this. I'm just concerned how much is Tommy talking to his quarterbacks on a daily, getting them ready throughout the week, talking to them, making sure they're on the same page because it's hard 
you know, I've I've done the offensive coordinator position. It's hard to I know it's hard to it's hard to be able to coach both. It's hard to be able to coach the quarterbacks specifically game prepping them to get ready. Yeah. And, and it's to do at the same time as getting ready the offense to go out there and play and strategize and scheme for offense. Uh, just I think it's more because of the time you spend game planning the offense against them is taking time away from you really making sure your quarterbacks know what they're getting themselves into and being on the same page as you. So this is where the benefit of having a quarterback coach comes in because a big game like this, I know Tommy's thinking of third downs and what he's going to call, but at the same time, are you going to, how are you communicating that to the guy that's got to go execute? So um, just just making it a, a more stressful position for Tommy, even though he may feel like he's got the perfect calls, if Jack's not certain because you half in, half out, you know, what's the result of the play going to be? So that's all that really matters. And having more heads in that in that room will be better. Yeah, I'm going to give you a second to think about this because I want you to take the running backs and the wide receivers, and I'm going to ask you as the DJ, like, what song would represent that particular play? I'm going I'm to go through some of these comments from our listeners, and then I want you to think about that, right? Because, you know – What song? Yeah, for example, Lorenzo probably is real smooth. Like, his glide is real smooth. So, you know, Tommy's probably putting on some Drake when he's unleashing. <laughs> you know, when he's unleashing Lorenzo, he's probably playing some Drake. Yeah, okay, you know? okay. So I'm going to come back to you in a minute, all right? Spark, 5219, said his concern is the quarterback protection and backs picking up the blitz. Uh Logan Diggs has had a lot of time. Chris Tyree has played a lot. So it's yeah. just you know, live bullets. You know, just you just have to see it sometimes. You have to see it yeah. sometimes. Hopefully and just because they and yeah. just because they know they still gotta block it. And I think yeah. that's what the difference between Kyron and even backs in his draft class have is yeah. that Kyron gonna put his face in there and actually defeat the blitz. It's low. I think Chris Tyree's a little too small to be trying to defeat head-on A-gap blitzes. Not yeah. saying that he don't know what he's doing, but that's not a guy, if I'm Jack Cohen, I would feel comfortable if I'm in the pocket, Chris Tyree taking on guys running full speed. Right. And, <laughs> and the thing with Logan. Aldrich, even if Aldrich's back there, he's bigger, you feel comfortable, but he hasn't seen it. And, yeah, it's, even with Aldrich, you feel – you feel great until he doesn't see the guy coming at the back door, you know? Right. So, right. you know, now you're sacrificing big hits, which is something that as a quarterback, you're thinking about in the back of your head as well. So that's kind of the catch 22 is that with all the running back by committees and all the things we can do running the ball, they're all about the same place when it comes to blocking so far, you know, until we get in the game. So that's definitely a concern, which we talked about in the yeah. O-line. You know, with Blake Fisher coming and him still being young and the exotic things we know that Oklahoma State's going to present, how they adjust to it, I think this is another thing where Tommy is going to have to be ready for having a game plan for some of those looks. But him and Jack have been together long enough to where I think they can be uh, – they can do it. You know, I think they can do it in this situation. Rex Mike says, my biggest concern is OK State mental health issues after this game. 
<laughs> you know what? We talked about Mike Gundy, but dude, a couple of their players yesterday talked about man, you know, playing Notre Dame. It's like it's almost like they are enamored with the opportunity to play Notre Dame. And I'm like, man. I told him what that Drake feature so bad. <laughs> they said, man, a Drake feature would look great on my yeah. debut album, man. He just he gonna give me the Billboard top ten. Right. Man, I've been waiting on my life. I love his music. You know, they, they, I love Notre Dame seeing them on primetime TV because we play early. You know, we play when it's hot outside. We we get home and rush to our couches and take our showers. Get ready to watch Notre Dame at night. Yeah, and I get to be us. Oh man, we can't wait. Mike so, Gundy said they've been trying to get on Notre Dame's schedule for the past, I think he said seven years. And he was like, dude, they're booked up to like 2033 or something like that. That's what he said. He was like, dude, we've been trying to get on that schedule. And we called and they're like, yo, we're booked. I've been trying to get them Yeezys for a long time and you know they've been taken up. Yeah. It's, it's, like five star, it's like that five star restaurant. Like, don't be the dude that calls the restaurant. On February the fourteenth, trying to make a reservation. Like no, really, no, no, to, yeah, this ain't the, this ain't the morning of Valentine's Day. Yeah, no, nah, we booked nah. up for a good, a good couple months. Man, good couple months. So. We got that all star chef in the kitchen. Yeah, this is why I'm like, if that if teams can't wait to play us, how can we can't get no quarterbacks that can't wait to come? Man. That's the difference. Man, lucky lucky podcast, Sean Davis, Malik Zaire. Let's get to some more of your concerns. Uh, Donnie Cruz says, biggest concern, two freshman tackles, strength, our front seven. Yeah, I can um, I can agree with that. John Nestler, thank you for tapping in, John. My biggest concern is the O-line and blown assignments. Um, I don't know about – see, blown assignments be like <laughs> – that's like a – I doubt that we're going to have blown assignments. Will we get beat on the play? It can happen. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's football. It can happen. But yeah. blowing an assignment is like a dude not even knowing he's missing a, a huge play that they probably practice all the time yeah. getting ready, and he just gets Jack crushed or, like, something crazy. It would have to be – that's a blown – I don't think we'll blow any plays. But I think that sometimes when we get pressured enough to get sacked, maybe, you know, this is a good team. It's not no scrub program we're playing so yeah they're gonna have plays we're gonna have plays but are we gonna be able to sustain what we're trying to do all game that's the key michael park says special teams you know special teams is something i'm really looking forward to watching because if it really was about competition i'm i'm, I'm excited to see if guys like Jaden thomas because it's definitely an opening that punt return with kyron being gone so i want to see if guys like Jaden thomas or lorenzo styles jr uh, back there in the return game, getting them more opportunities with the ball in their hand. Chris Tyree is dynamic in kickoff yeah. returns. So we've seen that. I'm not worried about that. And and honestly, kick return coverage has been pretty solid. It's yeah, pretty I think the competitive way we're practicing, I'm hoping we can get like Ohio State special teams. You know, they kickoffs be getting tackled on like the 10 to 15. Them boys be right. down there. Right. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Michael Groves. I'm sorry, Michael. Michael Graves. Biggest concern is mid-game adjustments. Let me tell you why this is not a concern for me. Every coach post-game 
and I, we pointed it out with Bronco Mendenhall when he talked about the adjustment Marcus Freeman made from series to series to confuse his freshman quarterback. And every coach would talk about the defense and what they would do from game. Because, you know, it's early on, Marcus Freeman, they had trouble defensively trying to do too much and trying to get the entire offense installed. I mean, they started the entire defense installed. And then he talked about, like, yo, we had to scale it back, be simple, and just let these guys go play. And then he adjusted as he went on. It was an adjustment for him to go away from what he really wants to do against USC and North Carolina and play more of a defense that was going to keep the ball in front. And there was a couple of missed assignments, and that was the linebackers with their fits against North Carolina that allowed those big plays, especially in the run game. So it's going to be the same thing. These linebackers, you know, defensive line is going to be able to press the quarterback. Linebackers have to come down, make their run fits, and tackle. And the safeties have to be support to that. And on the back end, you know, you have the youngsters, Xavier Watts, and the youngsters on the back end, they've made plays, especially at the free safety position. So, you know, I'm not concerned about in-game adjustments from the defense offensively i think that's yo that's time that's the dj that's tommy reese like yeah tommy reese got to control that and and defensively yeah i think it'll be maybe one or two things that they'll probably have as a nuance just because it's a bowl game and have more time to spend on it but i think we already know what oklahoma state's generally about they're not they're not going to turn over their whole offense and just for this bowl game I think that they'll have some things that they're looking to expose, but if anything, I think they're banking on us making open field tackles as opposed to them directly trying to scheme against something that we're doing. Credit to Marcus Freeman. I think he does a great job of keeping offensive quarterbacks on their toes, especially looking at different ways. You bring in late pressures and you're rotating the coverage. So he's been doing a great job. Think about how he's been able to limit some of these potential NFL guys like Sam Howe. I mean, Sam Howe, the week after us, put up almost 60 points, but the week he played us, it was half of that. I think it's credit to Marcus Freeman giving him a lot of different looks and different pressures. And that's the same one here. I think Spencer Sanders isn't the same type of quarterback, so I don't expect the same type of production. I think we, we expect a better result. But – Marcus Freeman, from an adjustment standpoint, he's definitely going to give them all he can handle. And so as long as he keeps fresh on that aspect of the scheme, then we'll be okay. But we got to remember, too, Elston is going to be a big hand in doing that because he's going to be calling more of the game, like Marcus Freeman said yesterday. Yeah. Offensively, like you said, man, Tommy just got to keep keep the vibe coming all night. Don't don't stale us out with no crazy uh, B2K songs or no, you yeah, know. There's nothing and, worse than a bad DJ at a party, bro. There's nothing worse, you know. And, and if you got your your first ten that you know is gonna knock out the park, you can come back to it. You know, you can come back. You yeah, know, you can play a good jam. You can party with it, right? You can get, play a good jam a couple times throughout the party, and people will still rock with you. So, I don't think we need to dig too deep in the crates. I think we got a lot of good vinyls already that we've seen and heard already that we like. So just keep it simple, man. Go to your playmakers. Um, Michael Mayer, he's double, but he's not covered, you know. So I think 
the more we can just give Jack the amount of tools we know he can survive with, the better. And even some up-tempo. I think that Florida State game plan, where we put up what was the most points all season, because yeah. we was running a lot of fast-paced stuff. I think we should continue with that as well. And I think Jack did a really nice job at playing with tempo like that, too. And as a DJ, you got to read the crowd, my dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because the crowd is different. Like, you can't – your playlist can't be the same in Chicago as it is in Detroit. It cannot. Your playlist can't be the same in Detroit as it is in, in Dayton, Ohio. And Boy, Dayton, you like, definitely got to come with it. You got to come know. with some – man, you, you got to dig in the crates. You got to throw in some local stuff that's yeah. popping, that's underground. And then, you know, you throw in some stuff that's popping everywhere. But you got to know your crowd. And Tommy Reese has to know he has to read the room. You can't be playing a bunch of radio sick, uh, singles. The dogs are hungry. Gonna work. The dogs are hungry. That's that's what mm. you've been establishing in all these practices. Become dogs from the jump. Compete. The jump. Right. Don't have them on a leash. Don't come out with them on a leash, man. Come out aggressive. Come out with some DMX. You know what I'm saying? Like, get at me, dog. Like, for real. Like, no, straight up. come out being aggressive, taking shots, and getting Oklahoma State back on their heels. Yeah, give them everything they want and go early because it's a team where they're good enough to, if you let them hang around, they're good enough to win. You know, they're, yeah. they're not here for no reason. And, and as much as they're anticipating this matchup, we got to come out like they want to take a shot at the King as well. Yep. So, Brandon Plinzer, shout out to you. Always joining in on LL Nation. We appreciate you. I'm getting pumped, too. My girl asked me what you want to do for my birthday on Saturday. First of all, happy birthday. Happy birthday. And I'm like, uh, sit here and watch football. Duh. Hey, she can go to adorewhiskey.com right now. Buy you some of that premium American whiskey. That'd be a great birthday gift. Great birthday gift. While she sits there and watches the game with you. That's, That's right. That's game. all we want. It's guys, we want the simple things, man. Just just simple. sit next to your boy, watch the game. I don't, you know, I I like to be alone when I watch the game, bro. <laughs> literally, literally, I like I prefer the house to be empty when I watch the game. No, I agree. On certain games, I agree because you just can't have people just walking in front of you, or especially high intensity, high intensity games. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, don't, don't don't do that. Don't, don't ask me anything. Don't bother me. Like, yeah, because even no. if you say something too loud, I feel like you distracting me. <laughs> oh man, the, uh, Michael Parks is right. You know, the stage won't be too big for Jack Cone. He's already played in the Rose Bowl. That's why I love him being a common effect, man. He's been a common effect for this team, his offense all year. And I think that's an advantage going into this game, you know, despite the ebbs and flows of a football game and how things may go. Having Jack Cone, especially late in the ball game, is an advantage for Notre Dame. 100%. And, you know, he can even be relatable off the field for guys during that week of preparation, just talking to guys on what it's like. You know, him making it lighter at practice to where guys don't feel like this is too big of a moment. You know, something that he uh, Tyler Buckner can, can pick up from as well, just even moving forward, being like, man, 
Jack taught me this, this, and this when I was younger. And he add that to his game. So I think there's a wealth of experience that Jack can provide these guys just from a bowl game being there. That can, I mean, I don't think we're as hyped as Oklahoma State is about who we're playing. Mm-hmm. But I think because of that, we can stay more level-headed and focused, especially for these young guys, to perform at a high level. Drunk Big O has an idea. Ghost ride the whip, bro. <laughs> I, guess, I think he's talking mm-hmm. about his birthday. Um, Bob Bordenaro agrees with us, bro. Leave me alone when the game is on. Like, just straight up. Just leave me alone. Just straight up. Man, don't go say anything. If I need anything, I'll get up and get it myself. I'll holler at you. Man, straight up. Let's see, Omar Austin. Biggest concern is RG, and I'm the most confident in Indy's front seven. We don't talk about that uh, right guard position here on the Lucky Lefty podcast. Nobody's giving our defensive line credit on how well no. I think I no. think we're gonna have a, a way bigger presence than their D line on our offense. I just think you know Isaiah Fowski, this is a game where him I don't think their their tackles have seen a guy like this before. Yeah. And I think he's gonna take advantage. I think he's gonna make it hard for Spencer Sanders to be comfortable. Yeah. He's gonna rip off a few more sacks and with the, the the type of blitzes that Marcus Freeman's dialing up with Elston, yep. I think he's going to be in a lot of one-on-ones, and there's going to be uh, a good turnout for it. Let's see. A couple more of these comments. Uh, Johnny S., thanks for tapping in. O-line is a group effort. Communication is key. My concern is how they gel since Blake has not been in the lineup. I mean, he's really – I mean, it's really – He's just swapping out with Josh Love. Yeah, I think it's it'd be less of an impact because he's in a in a group setting. There's five of them out there. Yeah, and because he's so talented, I doubt he's he's going to be the one looking like he doesn't know what he's doing. I think he'll look one of the of the best because he's that talented. So it's not like we're bringing in a kid from a a lesser school and it's his first time playing at this type of level. Yeah, you're you're you've been there, bro. You're more concerned in going into a bowl game if you lose your center, right? Yeah, right. from a communication standpoint, like that's if Jared Patterson had got had messed up his knee, like a week before the game, it's like, yo, now now we need to be concerned. Yeah, that's right. He's calling fronts. He's calming Every- guys down. He's pointing right. things out. So right. He's snapping the ball, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's the guy that you cannot get hurt. Like, matter of fact, you, you get a day out from the game, it's like, you're good. Not we'll sure. see you tomorrow in the tunnel. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Michael Park said, yeah, star who let the dogs out. So, bro, let's get to it, and we'll get back to some of your comments. Logan Diggs, like what? What song is Tommy putting on? What? What's he bringing in? Because you know, plus Tommy has to be good with the transitions, bro. Like, what type of DJ do you like? You like a DJ that just scratches 
and plays the song or just kind of like you can hear the next song coming through in the background I like yeah, I like I like how they start off with the sample and then they remix it into what it was remixed to. Uh, that's the type, yeah. So I need <laughs> okay, that's what's up. So for Logan Diggs, I need to hit him up. I need to drop a hard Wayne rub, hit him up. You know we coming. I see you went Logan Diggs. with that. You went Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. That. I had to. Logan Diggs gotta come in here and let people know he's coming in. Not even replaced, but to step in as the next guy. And I think there's no better way than coming in making a lot of noise. So hit him up is definitely Logan Diggs track for the night. <laughs> Brandon Plinser said, Oh, my fault. Uh Nuck If You Buck by Crime Mob. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of them. It's one of them type of night. It's one of them type of night. Fellow man, the house cut from back in the day. Okay. I get you, Michael. See, that's some Chicago stuff, man. That's Midwest. When you start, see, people don't realize in a party, and most people that come to parties in Chicago, they're here like the hip hop and the old school. And then, like, the DJ go to like a full hour of house music. And, like, if you're not from yeah. Chicago, you're like, yo, what the hell? Is this what's, what's going on? No, nah, straight up. But you, but you, you're tweaking because the crowd is going crazy. Yeah, they loving it. Everybody from Chicago is going crazy. You're like, what's going on? So that's why I say Tommy has to be able to read the crowd, and read his team, and know how they feel and what they're ready to do. So that's right. Audrey estimate the big boy, the banger. What's what's Tommy putting on? When he's unleashing Audrey Estimate. Man, I like Audrey Estimate, man. I think uh they gotta go future and as F up some commas, man. Cause that's that's all I think about when he in there just just, just being bull in the china shop. He just going crazy. F up some commas. He he getting he getting to the bag out there, man. Just giving to him on four for one, third and ten. He's going right up the middle for that first down, man. Shout out to my guy Audrey Estimate, man. He's gonna be the new the new Jerome Bettis of Notre Dame. Yo, I was thinking Aldrick is kind of like Lil John Crunk. Mm. You know, cats just bang into each other. That's what I'm saying. Like, my, yeah, yeah. That's like, you know, just running everybody over. Just, yeah, that mentality. Okay, okay. Uh, let's see. Pierre said, Andy up. For Aldrich Estimate. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's see. Brandon Plants, the Estimate song is moved by Bluda. Get out the way. Yeah, okay. Straight up. Straight yeah. up. Mystical. Yeah. Gotta go. Gotta go there. Uh, let's see. Man. <laughs> no Vaseline Ice Cube. Hey, if we on that type of time, we really in the right place. <laughs> You know, oh, we got to keep it clean now. All right. So let's go, uh, Michael Mayer. I got to go country. The boys in town. Was it by Kenny Chesney? Yeah. Right. The boys in town or the boys right. will fall. One of them. Because, you know, it, it, it's one of the things where it's like the, them coming home and you just want to see a guy just get right. He's just a real football player, man. Turn on and remember the Titan soundtrack. And just uh, put on a Michael Mayer tape, 
and that's what you're going to get, just some homegrown football, tough, taking big hits, everything a football player embodies. That's a Michael Mayer. So the boys are fall for sure. Okay. Kevin Austin Jr., who, by the way, said he's still 50-50 on the NFL. Uh, let me step out on the branch, which is what we do here at Lucky Lefty Podcast, and uh, tell you, Kevin, until you get that full route tree down, I think you should come back. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> no. Yeah, he get he get a he well, get a sneak peek. I understand the injury concerns. What I'm telling you, bet on yourself. Bet on yourself. Bet on yourself. Bet on the talent. Come back. Get better. That's just it. But Kevin Austin Jr. Oh man, Kevin Austin. Oh, it's definitely uh, Kendrick Lamar. Bitch, don't kill my vibe. Because, you know, him dropping these passes and That's not good. coming through is going to kill my body. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it plays into his struggles against corners that like to bump and run that yeah. can give him off schedule. Yeah, don't kill my vibe don't with that, man. Vibe. Let him get vibing early on. And more than likely, if he if he's vibing early on, he's going to have a good game. Yeah, That's he's, he's going to have a good game. That's a good call. That's a good call with the Kendrick Lamar. Uh, let's see. Uh, Lorenzo. Oh, man. Lorenzo. So many songs. I'm thinking that Anthony Hamilton, Charlene, just because he just hit them ad libs and it's just, <laughs> it's just one of them. Everybody knows that everybody wants to sing it. And everybody knows he needs to get the ball. Yeah, he needs to get that ball, man. So he's just that Charlie. It hits hit, down here. It yeah. hits down low when he gets the ball because you know it's going to be a good result. Ooh. It's that home cooking right there. We got a good one in the chat. We got a good one in the chat. Headlines. Drake. Oh. And I said, he I definitely said, can make some. He a headliner, though, for sure. Yeah. But it's like he only a headliner if they if they give him the rock. So Facts. it's gonna be important that if he gets the ball, he definitely turns some heads like a headliner. Let's go ahead and go to Braden Lindsay. Oh man. Okay, I got this. He got to go a little dicky and Chris Brown. I'm a freaky Friday because I'm going to need him to be in a Will Fuller body on, on game time and get some big explosive plays like Will Fuller. I need him to jump into that Will Fuller, woke up feeling like Will Fuller, and need some speed down the field to get some touchdowns and explosive plays. See, I would go like Breezy and Drake. I don't want to play no play game. Play no game, yeah. I, I need some of that, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he, he, he ain't got to the song. He ain't got to the Yeah, game. that's brave. That's brave for me, dude. Yeah, I don't want to play no game. Okay, okay. I like Pinky Friday because I need him to I need him to be beyond what he's doing now. I need him turning the Will Fuller out there on, on that night. Uh see. Michael Park says uh, Audrey Estimate needs to be LL Cool J. 
I do not need him oh, being man. smooth. Oh man, look, Mama said knock you out. Oh yeah, Definitely. I like that yeah. one. I like that one. Yo, shout out to you, Never Lost Romer. My favorite part of the show is when you guys go off topic comparing players to songs or cookies like they did last week. Malik said Tyler Buckner is the fortune cookie. We and and, and the way you explained it was perfect. We wanted perfect, to make sure, right? We wanted to make sure it didn't offend anybody. <laughs> yeah. We wanted to make sure we're like, yo, because you know, some people try to grab a hold of something, and the next it thing runs, you know, you know it. what. This is Cryptog, you're right, bro, because we have not given anybody Rick Ross. So for you, I, I agree. The whole D-line oh, should be Rick oh, Ross. Every day yeah, I'm we hustling. need that. Yes. We need that. Yes. We need that. Every day I'm hustling. Yeah. Every day. Yeah, we need that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Woo-hoo. Did we miss anybody offensively? I don't think we – I think we talked about the people we needed to. Dude. And the old line, old line. Look at the old line. That's a good one. I gotta think for a second. Yeah, think about the old line for Marcus Freeman, dude. I'm gonna give him uh, Kanye Powell. Yep. No and one. I was go. I was thinking monster for the O line. Yeah, I'm gonna give him power. I'm gonna give him power. Yeah. Now nah, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give Marcus Freeman uh, power from the the show. I'm gonna give him theme song. Theme song. They say this is a big rich town. Yeah, yeah. I'll give. <laughs> That's Marcus Freeman's song. He got the theme song from Power. So what are you giving Tom? Oh man. I just want to get a smooth criminal, Michael Jackson. No, I need to give Tommy the to knock me off my feet because I need to knock me off my feet on 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 New Year's Day with his play caller. I need to see excitement. I need to see. I need to be swept off my feet. Because we got the talent for it, and it's time. Right. You know, there's no more scapegoating. Right. Ain't nobody else to blame it on. Right. You, you, you tried to fake us out with the Dale Alexander scapegoat. We not falling for it. Right. You know, we falling right on target. Who we need to be talking to, and that's the guy that needs to be making the difference right there. Uh, let's see. I gotta play my Robert Hughes. Shout out. What's up, bro? Nelly, what does it take to be number one for the O line? Okay. I like that. And Brandon Plenser is all good with that one. Okay. And you know what? I like this one for Marcus Freeman. That cat, that DJ Khaled. All I do is win. I can rock it's with not that. Bad. Not bad. Matt, 2011 GT, Tommy, an Eminem song for Tommy. He better not have no spaghetti. He, he better not have no mom's spaghetti. I need him to be locked in. Well, you dug deep for this one, Michael Johnson. St. John Rose. St. John is super talented, too, man. Yeah, he is. Super talented. Oh, Michael Mayer. Into Sandman. College football classic. Man, just a musical classic, period. The drums on that bad fella. Like, 
I'm a dude. I'm, I, I've told you this story before, right? Like what? my entire family are either musicians or singers. And I am the only person that didn't get one ounce of musical talent. Not oh one ounce. No. You could probably sing or something. Huh? You could probably sing or something. No. 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 My, my, my baby girl got it. You know, everybody of my entire family, they either write, play. Uh, I I even have a, a younger brother who um, has Down syndrome. And he's taught himself how to play the drums, the bongos, and all of the percussions. Oh, my goodness. He even has musical talent. I have zero. You got to figure that out. You got to play the clarinet or something. You think it's hidden somewhere? It's gotta be. Maybe you, gotta you, gotta, be you, gotta you just gotta keep searching. It's never too late. Music talent. Let's see. Uh, Michael Mayer, Thunderstruck. All right. You want? Oh man, the Halloween song, the theme song. I get it. The correlation. You know what? Woo, man! I know we gotta come out to the. Uh, well, the band isn't traveling to the Fiesta Bowl, so I'm oh, sure. Really? Yeah, so I'm sure a local no day will have a local band, your local high school band playing a, a theme song, or the alma mater for Notre Dame to run out to. But if they could run out to Triumph, bro, no disrespect to the alma mater. Like you know, that's how you enter the stadium. That's cool, but it'd be cool. Like for like fights for prize fights, like in big games, the football teams could choose like the music they run out to. That'd be dope. Because the dope, I'm sorry, when the Eagle, when the Eagles came out to me, hold up, yeah. wait a minute. Y'all thought yeah. I, when they came out there, I was like, yo, it's it's they gonna win that game. I'm like, yeah, win that game. I'm like, they're ready for this game. That'd be cool. If college football teams just for big moments would like bypass you know, coming out to the regular fight song and actually choose a song that fits the moment to come out to. That'll be dope. Clemson Clemson does a little bit of that when they had Deshaun Watson. They had a DJ that used to do stuff like that on big third downs or like when they came down the tunnel, yeah. they'll be playing something in the background that'd be tough. So I remember that specifically there. Yo, that's crazy. Man, that, yo, that's like, man, I'll... <laughs> Running down that little incline, that little hill, after you touch that rock, man. I'm dude. I guess after you do it the first time, you get over like, <laughs> I will be worried about twisting an ankle. Oh, for oh, sure. Man. It looks slippery. Man. Man, especially with some, with cleats on. Mm -hmm. But they do it. They do it. They do it. Let's see. Uh, Lindsay is bombs over Baghdad. We need uh, some of that. Oh, for sure. Chris Brown go crazy. I like Kanye's champion for the whole team. You know. Right. Oh, I like that. That's just yeah. there. You are a champion. Yeah, yeah. We've been to win that thing. Hey, now look. 
you know, a song they could use for that fourth quarter at Notre Dame? Flashing lights. The light show? You yeah. don't believe in shooting stars? Man, they yes, wouldn't do that. They ain't showing. They ain't yes, gonna sir. show love like that. They ain't gonna in show that love. Part, they say shooting stars. They could put. They could put the camera on the recruits. See, you might as well have to get that recruiting, recruiting coordinator job. You know what I'm saying, man. You got to be different. I'm saying we spend it different. <laughs> yeah, Eugene said Barry Bonds or flashing lights. Yeah, flashing lights, lights. Yeah, they got some. That would be incredible, <laughs> dude. Yo, ain't no way. Hey. We spend it different. We're trying to help we you out. We spend it different Notre Dame. Look, oh. we we trying to get ready, man. We didn't gave you the breakdown of how this game gonna go. The only thing left is damn near the score, right? Yeah, we're gonna give you the score tomorrow because that's you know it's a formality. Say that we both know you know who's gonna win the game. It's just by how much. And then tomorrow's gonna be uh, our special best of show, like our biggest. Moment. Oh yeah, that's right. Top five games of the year, top, top five, five games of the year, top yeah. five most important players of the year. So we'll get to that tomorrow and some more from the press conferences and coverage of the Fiesta Bowl. But right now, you know what time it is. Yeah. It's that. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic? Petty train, man. Yeah, that's a really bad trend. That's a really bad trend. All these top players just opting out, and we can get into it, bro, because it, it, it really causes for a deeper discussion. And uh, let me get back to the screen so we can really dig into this, man. Look, something has to be done, and at some point, everybody that makes up the greatest game in the world, which in my opinion is college football from the players to the students, to the administration, to the presidents, to the NCAA, to the presidents of these conferences. Look, man, get it right. All right. We know it's about the bag. We know everybody wants the bag, but at some point when you start messing with the product, there's no way the Rose Bowl should be born, bro. <laughs> There's no way the Rose Bowl should be a snoozer. Are you kidding me? The granddaddy of them all? Man, I don't want to yeah. watch that of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and all. That, that, what? What are we talking about? You have guys that are projected to be going in the third and fourth round, backing out. And that's not a shot at Kyron because, you know, Kyron was. It's not a shot at Kyron because Kyron, he. But for us, we believe Kyron is the number one back. That's yeah. why I say, and, and Drew Rosenhaus, 
who was his yeah, agent. Rosa House feel like that too. It yeah, was like that sure. too. So now I feel like Kyrie's gonna hop up into the second round. So you don't have to. He's not leaving. You the second yourself, round. If you if you're Cal Hamilton and you know you gotta go yeah, you gotta. on the first round, by all means. Anybody say we're not even talking to you. Yeah, we're not even talking <laughs> to you. But all these cats that are projected third, fourth round. Look, man, look, at some point, all you guys gotta sit in the room and say, hey, the product is more important than everything else. Yeah, and just because you know, out. man, it's my it last is. time playing. Like, I'm, and you gonna have to look back, even if you get nicked, and let's say you miss like the first game of your rookie year. Once you healthy, you like, dang, I missed my whole last college game for what? Nothing for real. And it's like UCLA backing out the day of the game. It's like, man, what are y'all doing? What are, What are we doing? Not the what day before the game. Like, yeah, you, you playing. Look, I was always against I was always against expansion. Because I always felt like, dude, I don't need to watch Alabama against the number eight or the number 12 team. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't no, no. Nobody want to see that. Nobody want to see like, that. I don't need to see that. They but need, I'm like, looking. two first-round buys before. Right. Uh, you know. But, like, if we are at eight teams this year, that means Kyle Hamilton's playing. That means Kyron's playing. That means Chris Olave mm-hmm. and Garrett Wilson are playing. So now I'm kind of behind expansion happening. Like, yo, we need to get this done because these great mm-hmm. players, if they're in the college football playoff, more than likely they're going to play. And, and if you expand to eight, that covers – the New York Six Bowls, and they mean something now. Right now, the Rose Bowl means absolutely nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. And, and that's despicable to be able to sit here and say, as a college football fan, that the Rose Bowl means absolutely nothing. The Sugar Bowl means absolutely It's like, come nothing. on, man. Well, not the Sugar Bowl, but there's certain bowls that – I don't like the way this is going. I just don't. And I understand it's isolated because of COVID. I understand that. But what's not isolated because of COVID is these players opting out. Like, you had players on Auburn opting out. I'm like, for what? <laughs> yeah, against Houston, really? you going to get hurt against Houston? Like, for what? It's like, and then people saying the NFL needs to get involved. The NFL no, wants them don't. to sit out. Yeah, no, they don't. Yeah, NFL is like, yeah, sit out. Because my thing is you sit out in a game like that, but then you go play an all-star game, which is way more uh, probable that you'll get hurt doing stuff like that. With Then you're on your own for real. So I do think, man, get your film while you can, man. Don't. Yeah. Don't re- don't rest on you hoping you run a good forty or something. Get your film because that's what really matters. And it's really just been uh, polarized in the media about sitting out, and it's become something where it's another thing that gives a guy attention, another thing where it gets a guy something to something to be talked about. But in reality, it's like man, nobody cares. Number one. And the only impact it's having is the guys that you're walking away from. You know, I mean, it's not really affecting the fans or anything, but if you're going to be a a fourth, third-round guy, you sitting out is only hurting your draft chances. 
you know, like we said, it's different for Kyron because we think Kyron is deserved to be the number one. We know Kyle Hamilton going, so we right. ain't even he ain't even gonna talk about. With a guy like a Kane Madden, for instance, I would never expect him to sit out just because we know that if you're not in the first two rounds, you really need to be playing. Still, still fourth team All American, baby. <laughs> nah, your ass need to be taking the fourth snap of the game. You need to be in the game. But it's not it's not even, you know, I'm saying it and it sounds like it's a selfish for the fans, but it's really for the player. You know, it's nothing better than for a personal reason to go out with your guy after the long season mm-hmm. and have a bowl week with him. Yeah. Go out with him, you know, have good experiences. Cause that's what you remember after the season anyway. Bowl gifts and stuff. Yeah. And not everything's business. Yeah, you're gonna be doing the business for a long time and you will always remember skipping it out when you didn't need to. You know, you didn't have to. Now if you if you injury prone and you got a, a, a torn shoulder going into the game, yeah, sit out. You know, don't hurt yourself. But if you healthy and you talking about you afraid of something, you might as well not even play football no more. <laughs> Yo, on top of that, for me, and like you said, man, you got comments. Um, question here, Alan Krentz, will you regret not playing with your bros for your last game? At this point, I mean, look, Kyle Hamilton, and I, I've been very open about this, like seeing him at the uh, Marcus Freeman press conference and walking in behind Marcus Freeman and being a part of the leadership committee on the uh, player side that spoke with Jack Swarbrick. Kyle Hamilton was, you can see, he just wanted to play with his guys. He, he wanted to play with his guys, but it just, it makes no sense. It makes no sense to take that chance especially not in a game that's directly connected to the college football playoff. He's projected to be a top five pick. And and I don't blame him one bit. Is he going to miss not playing with his bros? Absolutely. Absolutely. But other than that, no, it was absolutely the right decision to make. And even though Kyron right now is projected like third round, I think Kyron is the number one back overall. The number one all-around running back in the nation. I think he's proved it over the last two years. And I think when he gets into workouts, combine, pro day at Notre Dame, I think Kyron's going to prove that he's that dude. So Yeah, if I'm Kyle Hamilton, I'm definitely not thinking twice about it because, I mean, uh-huh. top five pick, man, listen, y'all can come to the, to, the, to the draft party, man. We go out, we do. But, you know, you're supposed to be happy for me in this moment. You know, we can't right. It ain't nothing about play. I, I did play. That's how I even got this chance. You know, I'm definitely going yeah. to grab that money. Kyron is more like I understand because as him in that position, he already got a thousand carries on his body. I'm not I'm not trying to squeeze nothing else out of it, especially when we all believe that he is the first back taken or he should be taken just because his talent. He's graduated from the game, in my opinion. If you graduate from the game, it, it it makes sense, but you know, you just gotta weigh your your pros and cons. That's what it is. So, that's you know, everybody. You know, I'm putting everybody. I'm not just identifying the NCAA. 
I'm not identifying teams like UCLA doing what they did yesterday. The players, everybody. Like, yo, this direction that we're going in with college football is dangerous. It's very dangerous. And when January 1st is no longer important, like, the only reason I'm watching football on January 1st is because of Notre Dame. That's it. Yeah. Right? Because the big game's on New Year's Eve. Yeah. The big game's on the 31st. The only reason I'm watching football on January 1st and this is this might sound blasphemous. This might sound blasphemous. I actually thought about my family wants to do breakfast together on New Year's Day, and they want to go to the big outlet mall in Rosemont and shop. And that will cut right into the Notre Dame game. <laughs> I thought about it, bro. I'm gonna be honest. I thought about it. The reason I thought about it, because I'm really confident in this game, number one. Yeah. I got DVR. Hey, undefeated. And, you know, if I get back in the middle of the second quarter, I just start from the beginning. I'll be behind you guys a little bit. But guess what? We still talking about it on the post-game show. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So, look, that's, you know, I would have never done that. Would have never done that if the vibes were different. And and the vibes are changing around college football. I don't like it. And everybody is culpable. Everybody's in the pot. And everybody needs to do something to change the situation. No, I just don't like, and I'm not hating on guys going to get their bag. I'm all for getting the bag. Yeah, get the bag. I'm I'm for the NIL bag. I'm for I'm for the recruiting bags. See, I don't have a problem with duffel bags. I have zero problems with duffel bags, bro. I'm 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 all for the getting the bag. But at some point, when the vibe and the package starts looking bad, I'm not with that. I'm not mm. with that. No. And when the Rose Bowl is man, it's mid. It was already mid because we knew Ohio State was gonna smash. We are. Ohio but that's what makes it mid to me is the team be mid. It's it's really an arms race. Like we talked to Jerron about yesterday. Them top three teams, the only teams that's worth even wanting to watch at a certain point. Nobody turned on that Big I'll, Ten championship to I'll, watch Northwestern. I'll push back. I'll push back just a little bit, right? Because even if And this is a brands. This is why brands are so important. Let's say USC didn't make the college football playoff, but they won the Pac-12. You still rocking if it's an Ohio State USC matchup in the Rose? Bowl, oh, okay, yeah. I'm saying I'm saying the, the opponents against these teams. Oh yeah, like you yeah. Know, you ain't nobody ain't nobody want to watch Ohio State in the Rose Bowl versus anybody that's not Alabama, Clemson, or Notre Dame potentially. Them playing against uh Fresno State or UCLA or that's what doesn't make it exciting for me to watch it. But in Ohio State playing a Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl, that's or you a good USC or a great Oklahoma, that's definitely worth watching. So it's like and Search of Green Nine said. I love Kyron, but I haven't seen a mock draft where he's at top three back taken. Well, 
we gave you Mel Kuyper's big board, and he's the third running back. Yeah, I don't even trust these drafts. I trust no drafts until you know, draft, what, uh, what we're saying is, I'm sorry. He's a better all-around back than running back. Then it, yeah, he a better all of, he, a, um, he way better than Kenneth Walker all around. If you just talk about all around back, I'm right. taking him over so, Kenneth Walker. Take his full complement of film, and somebody that knows talent is going to identify it amongst the 32 teams and say, you know what? Kyron would probably go to a Carolina, you know, he fit down there with Christian McCaffrey or uh, well they're about to have a new more than likely. I don't know if he wants to go there. Shit, they might yeah, might be there for the draft, you know, especially mid round guy. Well, I could tell so him, don't, can, come, don't come to Chicago. Well <laughs> he, he might he might end up there, he might end up somewhere like the Chargers, man. You never know. So everybody is in the chat talking about uh, Ohio State needs to beware. Man, look, let me tell y'all something. If Ohio State was coming in with the clip full, Utah had no chance. Utah don't have no DBs to cover them dudes, man. And it ain't snowing. It ain't snowing. Not out here. Not out here. No, it's not. That Michigan game. And think, no, 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 Utah has nothing in that defensive backfield. Nothing for them boys. To deal with them dudes. And the fact that they're opting out, Utah has a chance. Yeah, Utah, yeah, they a chance. chance. They have a chance. No, so that'll be a good game. But if nobody first said First of all, this is a lie. We never said that Georgia was going to roll Bama. That, we never said that. Roll Bama? I said it was the, I said it was the Bama Invitational. That's what you said. See, you said people, <laughs> don't people don't listen. People don't listen. Right? I said you, it is the Bama Invitational. For me, I was on Georgia from day one. Yeah, and we last, was, we checked, definitely said Georgia year, going to the end. Last last I checked, Georgia has an opportunity to like revenge, to avenge that yeah, loss. Right? Yeah, Georgia okay. gonna play again. It's yeah. just I, Georgia, I just know that. They were better than everybody else. Please put still it. Bama invitation. I hope I hope he's talking to me. I never said they were going to roll Alabama. I said they were going to win by ten points. That was my prediction. That's not rolling somebody. Yeah, definitely not rolling them. That's not rolling somebody. So please go find a clip. Please go find a clip. I wasn't impressed with with Alabama against Auburn, right? Or Florida. But no one has talked about Bryce Young and the wide receivers at Alabama more than me. Nobody. Yeah, you've been talking about Jameson Williams for a minute. For a minute. Since, like, game one. I'm like, yo, how did this dude not get on the Transfer, yeah, he's like, how did this dude go from Ohio State to, yeah. That shows you how dope Ohio State's wide receivers are. Like, and I say, I didn't say it just on Lucky Lefty. I said it on Irish Breakdown podcast that I was on. Like, how did this dude not get on the field at Ohio State and now he's at Alabama killer? Absolutely. As the was best one, as the best receiver. Absolutely. Was I disappointed? I'm like, dude. It's like, man, people, this is why you have, you have to don't have a problem being different. We're not PC. We don't exactly hide behind not. what everybody else is going to say. We're bold enough to jump out there and actually make a prediction that Start everybody else and their mama are not saying. Right? That's right. Like, That's everybody's right. saying, oh, Utah has a chance. You know why Utah has a chance? Because Ohio State they don't have the... aren't playing. 
But Ohio State's defense not like it has been in a couple of years. That's it. And Utah runs the ball. So you know what they're going to do against Ohio State? They're going to try to do Run the, the same thing. They're going to yeah. try to do the same thing that Michigan did. Run the ball, be physical. But it ain't cold out here, baby. What did C.J. Stroud tell you in New York? When yeah, they he's like, if it wasn't cold, I'm whoop, we whooping that ass too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. C.J. Stroud told him, yo, if it wasn't snowing and in the cold, we'd have hung 40 on them dudes. Easy, easy, easy. easy. Man, don't get it twisted. Please don't get it twisted. Styles make fights. Ain't enough DBs in Utah to run with that wide receiver core. Dude, without – I venture to say without his boys, without his boys, and Jibba Smith still has 10 catches for over 100 yards. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's going to go crazy. He's going to go crazy. He's going to go crazy. Without Garrett Wilson. Without Garrett Wilson. So that's a preview. That's a preview of what Cam Hart is gonna have to look at. Game one. Oh, yes. Like when you watch the Rose Bowl, watching Jim Smith. But Cam Hart has got a good size for an Njigba though. Yeah. He's got a good size for him. So I'm excited, but you know, he's definitely gonna have his hands. Now, now he's now he's so. changing the goalposts. Watch this. You said Georgia had the natty locked up. Where's where I said they, I said they were gonna be in that thing though. I did say that. I said they gonna be in the and I still think Georgia's gonna win the national championship. So what's your point? Until they lose in the college football playoff, you still they right. Still have a chance to win a national championship. You definitely right. So we've gone from like clipping and saying I was they were gonna roll Alabama to now saying I said they're gonna win the national championship. They're in the college football playoff. Yeah, they definitely can win that thing still. So you can go, man, go get the tape from this podcast. Go get the tape from Irish Breakdown. Me and Brian Driscoll disagreed on their defense multiple times. I think if they play Alabama, they'll be better prepared and and definitely not having met you. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. I think... Man, I'll be it's hard honest. to beat a team twice anyway. I'll be honest, bro. I'll be honest. Because of that, because of that, styles make fights, right? If there was one team, one team to catch Alabama in the semifinal, it's Cincinnati with the two defense, two, two lockdown corners, bro. Them lockdown corners, and but Bryce is so cold. Bryce will find a way. But early on, the ability of having two lockdown corners and not having a typical running game that Alabama has. See, that's the difference. Not they get run against Cincinnati. But Cincinnati so, early on, this is my point. Cincinnati early. If you can put. I can't wait. I see. I can't wait to watch Jameson against Sauce. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, the the corner receiver matchup, man versus Nate, which is probably the best all year. I need both of them mic'd up too. <laughs> I need. I need both of them mic'd up because you know that's gonna Cincinnati be- not gonna Cincinnati not gonna be talking, man. They gonna that's be gonna be no Sauce is gonna talk. They're going to be shitting their pants in the beginning. Uh, That's going to be some premium 
trash talk, I need that mic'd up. I need like TikTok to come in and sponsor both of them cats being mic'd up. Did you forget that we're talking about Nick Saint Nicholas Saban? See, you talk about the game. I'm just talking about the matchup, dude. I'm just talking. That's about what I'm talking about. You think? I'm about Jameson. You think Look. Nicholas Saban gonna let them boys shine harder than the receivers? Absolutely not. No, 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 no. See, you're missing my point. You're missing my point. My point is, this will be because Eli was hurt against Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Eli was hurt against Alabama for LSU, and Stingley was hurt. So it's very safe to say. These might be the best duo of cornerbacks that Alabama faces all year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know what I'm saying? So don't get it twisted. Sauce is gonna win. So he's gonna win some plays against Jameson. Yeah. He's gonna win some plays. And Jameson is gonna win some plays too. It's just a matter of when Jameson does win, that that could be to the house. Especially if Cincinnati's going man to man like they usually do. Alabama's offensive line gonna give Bryce so much time now. It's gonna be hard yeah. for them corners. Yeah, <laughs> it's be hard for them corners. I will say this: Cincinnati has better speed rushes than Georgia, off the edge. And we're talking strictly speed rushes. Georgia has Georgia's stout, but that speed. Alabama's rushes, offensive line. They should have wait, wait. They should have done. They have out recruited. They have out recruited Cincinnati. Absolutely. Auburn's defensive line is way bigger than Cincinnati's Absolutely. defensive line. But they're not dude. If you think uh, if you think Alabama's just about to come out from the first play and push Cincinnati around, you're gonna get a big wake up call. That's not happening. Uh, I don't in the first know. <laughs> That's not happening in the first quarter. Not the Listen. first quarter. Alabama's offensive line is way too big for Cincinnati. Dude, we talked about it. Them, Stanford, Evan Neal, Ohio State. You know what, man? Alabama's offensive line, they get a lot of pub. When they get on the next level, they don't outperform Notre Dame whole line, dude. That's true. I agree because they don't have a hair he stand. They don't they have a hair he stand. Harry get them boys that technique. Alabama get them boys them size. Right. Facts. Facts. So we don't really, you know, Ronnie wasn't no big bruiser. But Ronnie out there making 100 M's blocking for the hardest guy in the league to block for. Right. See, this is my thing. Like, if Emma O-line plays like they did against Auburn, it's, dude, don't act like You think St. Nick? Wait a minute. You think St. Nick's going to – has has Alabama's O line been inconsistent all year? Not if they get fifteen games of practice, Malik. Not if they Malik. get fifteen practices. We not talk. Have answer the question. Has Notre Dame's O line been inconsistent all year? They've been getting better each week. Have they been inconsistent? Has inconsistent. Inconsistent would means that they were bad week six, but better in week one. They've been getting better each week. You're the teacher that gives a bunch of extra credit to your students, dude, (laughs) to cover up the misanswers on the test. Listen, no, listen, no, listen, no. Notre Dame's offensive line, we only got better each week. We never took a step back. 
So no, he wasn't inconsistent. So what you saying? You saying Bama's offensive line took a step back? Bama's offensive line has been inconsistent because how do you block how you do against Georgia? And then look like you did against Florida, and Florida just lost to UCF. Well, once again, Georgia's best defensive end and premium speed rusher is suspended and might be facing jail time over an assault case. He bigger than it's bigger than one guy. That defense is bigger than oh, one guy. Man. That's like saying, wait a minute. That's like, okay, take Isaiah Foskey away from Notre Dame's third down pass rush. Wait a minute. We're not a Georgia-style defense. No, no, if you no, take Isaiah Foskey away from okay. us, we're not no, Isaiah Foskey, Isaiah Foskey not playing wouldn't make a difference? No, I'm saying Isaiah Foskey, Isaiah Foskey not on our defense will make us not the same, uh, 100%. Okay. Georgia's defense is not defined by one guy. But they don't have any more premium pass rushes other than that one guy. So how I can think they not make a difference? We're living in the prison at the moment because Bama is just that good. No, 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 they can no, no. make it look like. No, no, because you saw the difference in the previous three games that he didn't play when they weren't getting to the quarterback as consistent as they had been. Listen, I'm not convinced that one Alabama, guy. Alabama is not overlooking Cincinnati. That. Of course not, but Alabama is not in fear of Cincinnati either. No. Yeah, absolutely not. So I think it's another. No, I'm saying I'm saying Alabama would Cincinnati is more in fear of playing Bama than Bama's playing. Cincinnati's not scared of Alabama, man. Stop. 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 It's a difference. Wait a minute. It's a it's a difference in being. It's a difference in being scared of somebody and just getting beat. So you think this is just going to be a regular, regular, just so a straight-up game Cincinnati-Alabama? You, you think Notre Dame was scared of Alabama when they walked on the field last year? That Notre Dame squad wasn't scared of Alabama, man. Not scared. They just got beat. I think beat. the coaching staff was. I think the coaching now staff now that's was. Now, that's a totally different – that's a totally different conversation. That's a totally different conversation. Like Notre Dame wasn't scared of Clemson when they got to the uh, ACC championship game. No, we definitely wasn't scared of no Clemson. But man, was just a different. Well, my whole point was when they got to the ACC championship game, it was one player that didn't play in the regular season game that was playing in that ACC championship. But game. we're better than Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. You know what I mean? We we can beat a Clemson without a Trevor Lawrence. You said we're better than Clemson without Trevor Lawrence? Without Trevor Lawrence, we're better than a Clemson. You talking about the program or you talking about specifically this year? I'm talking about either both. I'm talking about both. I mean, you that take this, the, wait, that depends on you the take Deshaun Watson. You take Deshaun Watson and Trevor from Clemson. We're a better program than Clemson. That see, this is the point. This is the point, right? <laughs> No, no, this is the point we've been talking about all week, right? And where the microscope and where the spotlight should really go, right? Because for all of that, right, K. Klubnik is headed to South Carolina, bro. Yeah, yeah. You can talk about who's better. Yeah, K. Klubnik is that guy. K. Klubnik is headed to South Carolina. We're going to see what he's talking about. We talk about the quarterbacks. We talk about the difference makers in the quarterbacks that have come to South Bend 
We can't pull one. There's been a we can't pull thing. a clay. We, we can't pull a Kay Oh, they missed on DJ, so they just went ahead and got another one. Yeah, they said, "Oh, we're good on DJ. We got." It. Yeah, they okay. We identify early. He ain't it. Let's go get the next one. That's all I'm saying. So you can talk about the program. You can talk about the talent being similar to Clemson. At the end of the day, if Kay Kubnick ends up being who we think he is, Clemson's gonna be right back in the hunt. <laughs> yeah, Clemson's gonna be right. They're gonna back be back. right back in the hunt. You can talk all, <laughs> you can talk all you want. Clemson's gonna be right back in the hunt. Why? Because they got a difference maker at quarterback. But that's it. Other than that, Clemson's not better than us. Other than that, yeah, I don't disagree with that. We saw that in the regular season game. But once that difference maker got on that field. It looked totally That's different. It. Now, That's right. the Notre Dame defense might have been scared of that difference maker. Yeah, but, I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Christopher Galloway, edge rushes don't equal edge setters. I don't know what that means. Michigan has two edge rushers. We've been no, they have uh, two edge setters. They, you know, I'm not a fan of They don't. I mean, we felt like Anderson was better than both of them by far. Hutchinson shouldn't have been in New York, dude. They don't affect the running game. You see how Michigan State bullied them. Yeah, Michigan came back. And once Michigan State came back on this team running the football. Running I've never football, seen no like that ever. Running pass and just, just straight. How you come back on the team running the ball? And it's yeah. not even about – we're not talking about um, – the conversation we were having is like the edge rushers being able to impact Bryce Young, right? Because right now Georgia has – they don't have an edge rusher unless – one of their youngsters pops up in these 15 practices in preparation for the bowl game, and they find a youngster that's developed. And it could happen. You know, a youngster could develop during the year, and all of a sudden, you know, he becomes part of the rotation. He makes an impact in the semifinals and the finals. I'm just telling you, there's more speed coming off the edge for Cincinnati. We'll see, on, we'll see this weekend, man. And that's that's a fact. Search of Green is being petty now, dude. Yeah, yeah, but we got Angeli. <laughs> I'm gonna find out about Angeli. Well, you know what? We have to let it play out. Yeah, we gotta let it play we, out. I don't we, know. We all feel like Cade is gonna be that dude. Hey, after watching DJ against Notre Dame, I was like, okay. I wasn't. Like he he he's all right. No, because what team doesn't play great oh. against us? Stop <laughs> playing. What quarterback doesn't play great against us? He threw for four hundred. Come on, man. Yeah, he played great, but like you thought he's gonna he didn't be do a scrub? No, I thought the game was gonna be close, but we was gonna win in the end, like it was. But I didn't think we was gonna limit DJ to like. Devin Garner numbers. Right. I'll take a bet. I'll take a bet right now. Christopher Galloway. I'll take a bet. Bama won't run for more than 120 yards. 
as a team? They is Cincinnati. One twenty. Yeah, because they're gonna have five million passing yards. Because y'all think they just gonna run the ball down down Cincy's throat? No, they gonna throw put the ball. Money, put your money where your mouth is. One hundred twenty yards. They won't need it. That should be two hundred easy. That should be two hundred. I won't easy. take it because they'll have four thousand passing yards. I think they're <laughs> looking at it like we're playing against Cincinnati. We're not about to hype them up like they really bigger than what they are. Right. We're gonna just do what we do every week. And Bryce Young's a Heisman winner. You think they're not going to be like, hey, get back in that pocket and show us why you were Heisman? Hey, so, this, so basically this proves my point. Michael John said Clemson couldn't run the ball against Notre Dame that game. All they had was the pass. So basically you're telling me the freshman didn't have a complimentary running game and still threw for 400. I mean, that's like it's hard when a team makes you one-dimensional as a freshman, and you fry them one dimensionally, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you still throw for four hundred? That's that, that makes it look even that better. Good comment. Yeah, that was that, that, that good makes it look even better. Good comment. Run the ball at the edge rushes. All right, that's fine. All I'm telling you is that there's only really one. Elite, well, I won't say one elite without Mechie. Right, what's the uh the slot receiver? He's gonna be huge. Him and Billingsley, the kid from Chicago that plays tight end, they're gonna be huge this game. Look, I'm not worried about Bama. Cincinnati needs to be worried. Luke Luke Fickle needs to be worried. What do you mean? He's facing Alabama. He he was worried when he came in the Notre Dame Stadium. He wasn't worried playing us. He had his quarterback talking no, about, I yeah, we're going to do this and that. He was worried. Look, he was worried because he played close to the vest. Go watch the game, bro. Cincinnati played close to the vest. They did not want to make a mistake because they knew. They knew, they yeah, they didn't want to make a mistake, but Desmond Ritter went in there talking crazy. He ain't talking. I haven't seen Desmond Ritter going like, Desmond yeah, Ritter we can't. Desmond Ritter wasn't doing anything. Early Why is Desmond game? Ritter not going into the meetings talking about, yeah, we're about to do this and this to Alabama. Yeah, we can't wait to, for this. They ain't talking like that. I haven't, I haven't paid attention to their press conferences. I haven't paid attention. You couldn't find It doesn't exist. He ain't in there. You think Luke will let Desmond Ritter go in there and be like, yeah, we're about to go handle Nick Saban defense. We're not worried about Nick Saban my defense. Whole, my whole point is. No, they My whole not. point is. <laughs> My whole point is they told that dude, they told that dude, Mike Denbrock told him, hey, be cool. Did he not? Mike Denbrock told him, hey, be cool. So it wasn't like the coaching staff didn't pull his coattail in the middle of the week like, hey, you tripping a little bit. They don't have to pull his coattail. He know he ain't talking crazy. <laughs> you, think he go, you think he's sitting in his room being like, yeah, I, I know the coaches is stopping me from talking about Bama. No, no, no. His ass in the film room being like, okay, well, Anderson on third down is going to look like this. Oh, I need to be ready. God. Yeah, cut it out. He Against us, he's like, oh, oh hey. yeah, Notre Dame. Hey. I've I'm been circling on the calendar. I can't wait to play Notre Dame. After watching, after watching Notre Dame defense, Notre Dame's defensive front against Cincinnati's O-line. Because that's what we forget, how good Notre Dame's defense actually played that game. Yeah, they played good. Yeah, yeah but the offense actually putting them in bad positions and short fields and giving Cincinnati points. Anderson's going to have a field day, my brother. 
Anderson, yeah, that's what. That's what Anderson might come away with like four sacks in this game, bro. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm like, what the heck? Ain't nobody. Yeah, Cincinnati, they, they're a bunch of front runners, but it's okay. And don't get me wrong. Like, we both feel like Notre Dame would be Cincinnati if they played on January. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cincinnati just feels less intimidated by playing us. Yeah. And that's not, wait a minute. They shouldn't feel less intimidated. No, like now, now they're more intimidated. But with BK, they weren't intimidated. Let's think. see, uh, Sean Malik, what's the what's the schedule on the podcast for after the game? Every day. Yeah, we there. There's there's news, hot news every day, man. Every day. We're here every day. That's we'll right. Find, we'll find content to talk about when it comes to Notre Dame every day. I think he took the bet, 120. You're not getting my socks hats. You can take anything else. I'm not taking that bet. Ain't no way I'm taking that bet. Yeah. I think that's it, bro. Thank you, everybody. That might be. Man, we gave you two hours of content today. Join us tomorrow for our best of show. Uh, Have your list ready. Best moments of the year, best games of the year, and the top five players of the year. We'll talk about it and we'll dig more and give our predictions for the Fiesta Bowl. I'm a well, I've been on record saying it's gonna be a double digit victory. So from my guy, Malik Zaire at overtime Malik. I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mike. Don't forget, you can find us also on Apple Podcasts. Just search A2S Network and you get our podcast each and every day. Subscribe, share, hit the like button. Hit the like button on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. Man, we appreciate you guys. It's almost game day, man. It's almost game day. So we'll talk to you guys. Appreciate you guys so much, LL Nation. Until tomorrow morning, we bid you adieu. Go Irish. Spin it different today.